right, guys, what's going on? Uh, Jared Atkins coming to you live for a, uh, another episode of uh, Steel Toes and Scoreboards. A Weeknight Chronicles edition. Uh, it's a little after 1 a.m., definitely burning the midnight oil on this one tonight. But I haven't done this in about a week, and, uh, and there's a lot of stuff. I wanted to uh, to talk about. There's a lot of sports news, and um, unfortunately, this week it just wasn't in the cards for Kurt and I to get together. Or uh, I shouldn't say get together. We don't really get together for Weeknight Chronicles for us to you know get the mics turned on. Uh, it's fall break this week. I took vacation all this week. I have the kids, and uh, been enjoying my time with them. So, that was where my focus was. It wasn't really on recording, but now they're asleep. Hey, what the hell, right? So, so let's get into some, let's get into some sports news. There's, there's sports news galore everywhere you turn. So, hopefully we can find something big to hit on tonight. And I know exactly where I want to start. And the first place I want to start is with a little bit of UFC news. Uh, a couple pieces of UFC and MMA related news. First of all, uh, did you guys know the other day, uh, the UFC has sent out a memo now uh, to all their contracted athletes and their camps. Uh, and they are now, <laughs> the UFC is now forbidding guys from the wagering on UFC fights. Uh, which I thought was already a thing, but apparently it's, it's not. And as you know, um, sports betting and gambling in sports is something that has really took off. Not that it wasn't already a thing, but it's something that has really exploded in the last five to 10 years. And the UFC put out a statement uh, that they're now going to, um, it's going to be made aware and, and be involved in their contracts that contract athletes are prohibited from betting or gambling on any bouts, including those bouts that they are featured in. Um, which I guess it, I mean, it's, it's a good thing, I guess. So you can have fair fights and I, and I think, UFC's wanting to jump ahead in this because they're wanting to, in my mind, uphold the integrity of the sport and make sure that everything's up and up. But it's funny because you've got guys like uh, Justin Janes who competed in UFC events you know, in the last year or two. They've openly talked about betting on themselves over the last couple of years and uh, a lot of fighters have shared stuff on their social media outlets they've shared accounts featuring them gambling on fights some of them which including themselves so I mean it's a good thing I guess because you want to keep the sports integrity you don't want to you know you don't want you know, drama 
and controversy. And people going, well, that fight was rigged as fake as shit. That guy bet $3 million on himself to, you know, and you see where I'm going with this. Uh, but it, it came out this week. The UFC was setting a precedent, uh, you know. And this is all coming down to, you know, uh, the equivalent of inside trading, almost. But it's like insider betting. Uh, the the CBO, the chief business officer for the UFC, Hunter Campbell, you know, had put out a memo. And uh, ESPN obtained a copy of the letter. And Campbell had talked with ESPN directly. He said, as the sport has grown over time, the overwhelming majority of of states that regulate sports gambling have some prohibitions on inside betting activity. This isn't something the UFC advanced independently. This was something the UFC set forth in response from governmental agencies, aware that we are also subject to governmental regulations as we're licensed promoters in virtually every state in the country. It's the natural evolution of the sport. You know, UFC contracted athletes are not exempt from these prohibitions which state legislators and regulators have implemented for the purpose of maintaining the integrity of our sport. So, I mean, I guess if you don't abide by it, you could be, there could be bans coming from the UFC and all of combat sports. So I personally am fine with this. I think it's a good thing. I don't think you should be able to bet on your, I mean, mentally you can bet on yourself financially. I don't think you should be able to, but I don't know, maybe some people see things different than I do. This other piece of UFC news is UFC-related, MMA-related, kind of. Let me ask you guys a question. How many of you guys have just laid there on Facebook, Twitter, and if you Instagram? I don't Instagram. I fucking think Instagram is the stupidest thing in the world. You have fucking Facebook. You have Twitter. You have Snapchat, which I don't care if anybody says Snapchat's just used to your Significant other don't catch pictures of the titties you're getting from other women. I mean, that's whatever. I use Snapchat on occasion. I mean, it's all for them dirty pictures. But when it comes to social media, it's Twitter and it's Facebook. Fuck Instagram. But I'm getting off topic. How many times have you scrolled in the middle of the night and you've come across videos of big burly dudes and little fellows just sitting there slapping the shit out of each other for no reason? And there's like a guy and you figure out over the course of like 10 seconds of video that this guy's like a referee. Okay. You've seen that, right? Dana White. If I could see you guys now, I would be like, show of hands. How many people here love Dana White? Because I do. Dana's fucking the shit, man. Dana White, the president of the UFC, has a new form of contact sports. Combat sports, I should say. Dana White's PSL, the Power Slap League, is now a thing. And this is going to be regulated by the most famous athletic commission in the world, to me, the Nevada State Athletic Commission, because it's where UFC is based in Vegas. So this they took this to a vote the other day. At a commission's monthly meeting in Las Vegas. And then Hunter Campbell, there's that news again. Uh, he gave a presentation of this new league to commissioners. It's the Power Slap League. They, uh, it's basically 
they have um, looked at this and they've tested it over the last year, year or two. They've worked up a structure that's based similar to MMA, a rule set. Uh, they're going to have weight classes, medical requirements, everything virtually the same as MMA. Uh, Campbell would say that after testing it, it became clear to us there's a massive potential market here as a sport, not unlike the very early years of the UFC. It made all the sense in the world to go to a regulation before the sport's commencing for all the obvious reasons, especially the number one being the health and safety of our competitors. Slap fighting has been around for several years, though it's never been regulated nor heavily featured. It features two competitors uh, across from one and each other, throwing slaps with open hands to each other's faces. Now, Campbell would go on and talk about uh, that it wants to eliminate some of the more archaic aspects of the sport that exist on the lower levels, like two opponents with vastly different weights and matches that last many rounds. So they're in the process with the rules here that will address fouls, uh, permit which areas of the body are permitted to be slapped and not slapped, safety requirements, uh, specifically ear earplugs and mouth guards. And these uh, talk about there will be like a 10-point scoring system used like in boxing and MMA by the commission judges. So right now... Um, there's no definite plans for uh, for the first event, but the the hope is that um, by the end of this year, 2022, and we're here, here we are, October 20th, uh, it will be distributed by a major broadcast partner by the end of the year. So I think this is, to borrow Vince McMahon term, and I get a pro wrestling reference in every show, I think this is such good shit. So... <laughs> I'm personally looking forward to this. I don't know why I cracked up when I seen this tonight. I'm like, this this is going to be the fucking greatest shit ever. Such good shit, pal. But, so, keep your eyes peeled for Dana White's Power Slap League. Um, fucking wow. One thing on this show that I love to do and it's not just this show, but it's every walk in life. I literally look for any chance I can to give a middle finger fuck you to uh, white supremacy and uh, Hitler's Nazi Germany at fucking any chance I get. And oh my God, do I got a middle finger fuck you to Hitler and Nazi Germany straight out of the 1936 Olympics that's making news today. Uh, so, um, over the weekend, and I didn't hear about this, uh, thank God for me perusing through uh, Bleach Report, MSN, or Bleach Report, ESPN, uh, like I do before I do these Weeknight Chronicles. Uh, because over the weekend, Carl Ludwig Hermann, uh, his uh, long men's jump silver medal from the 1936 Berlin Olympics, his actual medal just sold at auction over the weekend for uh, $488,000 plus. Uh, that was... Germany's most valuable silver medal ever sold to public auction. 
this guy Long, uh, Lutz, they called him, Carl Ludwig Hermann Lutz Long, uh, he was killed in 1943 while serving in the German army. Okay, where does this, you know, tie in? So, uh, as you know, one of the greatest moments in sports history was Jesse Owens' middle finger to, she didn't physically flip the middle finger. Uh, metaphorically, he gave the finger to Hitler in Nazi Germany at the Olympics. But uh, Jesse Owens formed a friendship with this guy at the Berlin Olympics. Uh, and they walked hand in hand and had a hug and embrace in front of Hitler in Nazi Germany. Uh, and I thought that was cool. But, uh, so, you know, fuck you to Hitler in Nazi Germany. I love, cannot, I'll never waste an opportunity to say that. Um, I just thought this was cool. Here's, here's this Olympic medal from 1936. You know, almost a hundred years ago. You know, 90-something, 80-something years ago. And, um, wow. What's cool about this is that, um, the most expensive Olympic gold medal ever sold at auction was one of Jesse Owens' four gold rec uh, gold medals from that 36 Olympics. Back in, uh, 2013, Jesse had a gold record uh, gold record had a gold medal sold for like $1.4 million at Olympics. Um, so it's just, uh, it was pretty cool. I just thought that was cool. That's sports related news. Here we are. And, you know, I mean, I just, I mean, it wasn't really like a fuck you to Nazi Germany, but it was because here's their you know, German pride, and he finishes second to Jesse, and then they embrace in front of Hitler, and it's just, it's awesome shit, so, just cool, I love sports memorabilia, so anything sports memorabilia related that gets sold, is always going to be featured in the news here on the show, so, $488,000 for a 1936 silver medal, wow. So let's talk about the Tennessee Titans here in a minute. Did you guys hear about this? So word came down yesterday. No, not yesterday. Yesterday is Wednesday already. Uh, word came out uh, sun, Monday or Tuesday afternoon that I guess the Titans have an agreement in place with the city of Nashville to build a new stadium. Um, and I think it's stupid. So they're they're playing at Nissan Stadium, uh, you know, which is a fine stadium. I've never personally been in Nissan Stadium. Um, driving into the bunch. <laughs> I don't think there's anything wrong with it, but uh, I guess they're in talks with the city now, and they've agreed to a 1.7 million square foot stadium, which would have a dome. So. Uh, makes it possible to host a Super Bowl uh, and year-round events, uh, but it could cost up to $2.1 billion and must be approved by the Metro Council there in Nashville. Now, reportedly, uh, 
controlling owner, Amy Adams Strunk, whose father, Bud Adams, was the one who had brought the, the team to Nashville probably, what, 25, 30 years ago. Uh, the Titans have reportedly agreed to put up $800 million to help fund the project. Now, the stadium will also be helped be funded by another $500 million investment by the state of Tennessee. And uh, according to Nashville Mayor John Cooper, he said the new stadium proposal protects Metro taxpayers by not spending a single dollar that could be spent elsewhere on our core priorities like education and public safety. Now, the funding for the new stadium would come from four separate revenue sources. Of course, the Titans and the NFL and the personal seat license sales combined represent the largest source of funding for the new stadium. But general obligation bonds are not part of the proposal and zero dollars are required from Metro's operating budget. Additionally, the team agrees to waive $32 million of outstanding bills owed by the city for construction and maintenance performed on the stadium over the past four years. And as part of the overall project budget, the team also agrees to pay off the remaining $30 million in bonds owed on Nissan Stadium. This would represent $62 million in additional unfunded liabilities relieved as part of the agreement. Now, the Titans have agreed to maintain and backstop upkeep over the life of the lease, and Metro will own the stadium when the lease expires, creating a multi-billion dollar asset for the city of Nashville, Tennessee. Now, the deal is a result of Nissan Stadium needing renovation after 23 years of wear and tear, according to them. A provision in the current lease requires the stadium's condition to be kept on par with other sports venues built around the same time. So the project was going to cost approximately $1.8 billion over the next 17 years. Uh, Nashville Mayor John Cooper called it financially irresponsible to renovate Nissan Stadium instead of building a new facility which supporters say would attract even more tourists than before and keep them year-round. Of course, the new stadium would represent the largest building project in uh, the city of Nashville's history. Um, I think this is absolutely fucking ignorant. That's just where I'm with with that on it. Uh, uh, not a Titans fan. Football fan. Titans play in my division. Did love Eddie George. God, did I love me some Eddie George when I was a kid. Him and Steve McNair throwing the rock to each you know, Eddie just, you know, cutting and slashing out of the backfield. Steve McNair slinging the rock, but uh, this is stupid. Financially irresponsible to continue with the renovation of a stadium that was built from, what, 1996, 1997, 1998, whatever the fuck it is, 1999. This is dumb. And any Titans fan out there, holler at your boy. This is dumb. What this is, is this is the city wanting a Super Bowl, and people don't want to play the Super Bowl in a cold environment, so they're going to put a little dome over the stadium so they can coast the Super Bowl and attract more tourism. And do, 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 do. Is it boo-boo-doo-doo? Ace Ventura. Is it boo-boo-doo-doo? Is it boo-boo-doo-doo day? Fucking stupid. You know, the city of Calgary... The Flames have the same issue going on right now uh, in Calgary, Alberta, Canada. 
because they've been playing at the Saddle Dome, which, correct me if I'm wrong, Tyson, this is you, holler at your boy, correct me if I'm wrong, uh, but the Calgary Flames are probably playing in the oldest uh, arena for hockey besides Madison Square Garden for the Rangers. Um, they need a they need a venue. Uh, the Saddle Dome is probably literally on its last leg. They're trying. They're in talks with funding an arena or something to be put. Uh, on the northeast side of town, maybe? I don't know. That's a cause I'll get behind. A dome stadium so you can attract tourism 24-7, have big sellout concerts, CMA Fest, you know, more more bodies in there. Fuck this. This is stupid. Y'all are some basic-ass bitches. $2.1 billion. You're just jealous. Here it is. You, you want that Cronky money. You want that Walmart money. That Stan Cronky money that went to build the fucking SoFi Stadium. This is dumb. And that's just my opinion. This is dumb. But, uh, so that's probably going to happen. I don't know. I just, I don't know why I got so irritated when... I read that the other day. Just I don't know. That's just me. That's my opinion. Solely my opinion. Kurt's not here. Um, I'm definitely going to ask Kurt about this. Just see what he says. So let's take a minute here and uh, bounce around and talk a, talk a little bit about that salty blood money, baby. I've been saying it all summer into the fall now. Let's talk a little bit of that salty blood money. Uh, you know, of course, uh, that being Live Golf, Saudi Arabia's uh, public investment fund has finally seen the Live Golf circuit, which is uh, being fronted by uh, Greg Norman, who, of course, is the uh, won a couple of majors. Uh, Phil Mickelson, who has been one of the biggest proponents, and supporters, and competitor for Live Golf. Uh, Phil did a little chirping last week, and uh, his comments have been talked about this week. Uh, about a week ago, Phil said that he uh, he came out and basically said that um, he was happy to be on the winning side of this rift between Live Golf and the PGA Tour. Uh, quote, you have to pick what side you think is going to be successful, and I firmly believe that I'm on the winning side of how things are going to evolve and shape in the coming years for professional golf. We play against a lot of the best players. We play against a lot of the best players in the world on live. And there are a lot of the best players in the world on the PGA Tour. And until both sides sit down and have a conversation and work something out, both sides are going to continue to change and evolve. I see live golf trending up and I see the PGA Tour trending downwards. And I love the side that I'm on. So that started some shit. And, uh, of course, who doesn't? Like, I have personally, because uh, I'm, not, I'm not a fan of the Saudi blood money, but I have personally loved this competition, this 
pissing contest over who's got the theoretical bigger dick. I have loved this going on this spring, this summer. And uh, so Rory is talking about this. Uh, Rory said, I don't agree with what Phil said last week. I can understand why he said it because the position he's in. But I don't think anyone that takes a logical view of a game of golf can agree with what he said. John Rahm talked about it. Uh, Cameron Smith, who's from Australia, who's a live golfer, he gave his opinions on everything. Yeah, John Rahm. I love John Rahm. Love me some John Rahm. Uh, I don't really know. Uh, is Phil right, though? I guess, I mean, like, hey, Phil Mickelson, he, he's, I put him on the Mount Rushmore. I put him up there. I make a strong case for him. The most beautiful chip shot I've ever seen in golf. You talk about chip shots. Every time I try to chip, I think of him. I he's the chip king. There's nobody that hits a more beautiful chip shot in the game of professional golf than Phil Mickelson. Lefty himself. And uh, he's got some stroke. This guy's won how many majors? You know, you won a few majors, you can chirp a little bit. Uh, I don't know where this thing's going to end. There's the lawsuit that's going on between the two. and Court back and forth and this and this and this. And, you know, as far as... You know, what Phil was talking about last week about getting the two sides to sit down and work something out. It ain't ever going to happen, bud. It ain't going to happen anytime the rest of 2022, the two and a half months we got left. It ain't going to happen in, in 2023. I don't see. You got some bad blood, Buin, and you, for the first time in history, or at least that I can think of, you've got a legitimate threat to the monopoly that the PGAs have on the sport of golf. And they're not reacting to this very well. And here you go. You've got Live Golf coming in. You've got this Saudi blood money that's backing the whole fucking thing. You've got guys defecting from the PGA Tour. Then you've got the guys that are defecting from the PGA Tour, but then to have the gall to tell the PGA, well, we're going to still play in the majors. And then they're like, oh, fuck, if you are... It's great shit. It's it's making for compelling news. Uh, but for Phil to say what he says, and then for Royal McIlroy and John Rahm and some of these other guys to come out and totally trip over what Phil is saying, I don't know. I just it's it's something worth keeping an eye on. It's definitely always in the news. Uh, you know, live golf is, you know, they're, uh, you know, they're starting to make their push for their season finale. Um, I don't know. So I'm going to shift now to the Rocky Mountains and you guys know where I'm going with this already, don't you? So... <laughs> The, there's a, a university in Cody, Wyoming, Northwest College. 
and a college wrestler that got in a fucking fight with a grizzly bear. Oh, God. So the story comes out of Cedar City, uh, Utah, or, well, uh, yeah, uh, the Shoshone National Forest, Shoshone National Forest. Uh, so I guess there's a college wrestler. He helped his teammate survive this mauling by a grizzly bear over the weekend, which just pissed off the grizzly bear anymore. Uh, this happened over the weekend. So Brady Lowry of Cedar, of Cedar City, Utah, suffered a broken arm and puncture wounds in the initial attack. What happened was these guys were out in the Shoshone National Forest uh, searching for sheds from elk and deer, and they stumbled upon and surprised a, a bear, okay? So, <laughs> Lurie told uh, ABC News' Good Morning America that this bear come running out of the trees. He did I didn't even see it until it was right in front of me. Uh, the only thing I could yell is, bear, bear, bear. He said, I knew I just had to protect my head and just kind of fight for life. You know, it's life or death. Well, then his teammate, Kendall Cummings, uh, tried to stop the attack on Larry by yelling, kicking, hitting the bear, pulling at its fur. He said, I didn't want to lose my friend. It was bad. There's a there's a big bear on top of him. I could have run, potentially lost a friend. Uh, well, then the bear turned around and turned its its attention. And it's, it, I mean, you already stumbled upon this fucking seven, eight hundred pound, thousand pound, however big these some bitches are. They're huge. You know that. You stumble upon this bear. He's already pissed off and angry. Now you're attacking him as you're trying to save your friend. He's even more pissed off. So when he turned around to Cummings, I imagine this boy saw. Jesus and everything in his life. He said, the bear knocked me to the ground and then he, he pushed me up against the trees, pinned me there. He was attacking me. Uh, Cummings said, I put my hands in its mouth and stuff so it wouldn't try chewing on my neck. He put his hands, ladies and gentlemen. The bear's attacking him. He put his motherfucking hands in the bear's mouth. He put his hands in the bear's mouth. He said eventually the bear walked away. was only gone for a few seconds. He said then the bear came back and it attacked us again. He said after the bear left the second time, Cummings pulled himself up and began looking for his teammates. In the meantime, Lowry was able to walk to a nearby area with cell service and call 911. Two of the other teammates come running and they had to help carry the badly injured Cummings and off the mountain. Lowry, uh, who was the, uh, the initial, the first attack, Lowry was able to walk off the mountain. So the guy that was attacked first was able to walk off the mountain. The guy that saved him didn't. They both ended up at a hospital in nearby Billings, Montana, uh, where they had to go underwent surgery. Uh, I don't know why. I'm, I guess I'm lying. These are college kids wrestling a fucking bear. These are 19, 20, 21, 22-year-old kids wrestling a bear. 
what are you doing now at 40 years old? What are you doing now at 50 years old? You ain't wrestling a damn bear. Um, of course, the parents credited both kids for saving each other's life. Uh, the school, you know, said that they were, uh, they can't imagine what these young men went through, including their teammates that, that found them. Um, Wyoming wildlife officials said they will not try to capture and relocate or kill the bear because it was a surprise attack and because there are many other bears in the area, making it difficult for them to determine which bear it was. Uh, both Lowry and Cummings said that they, uh, if they wasn't close before, they are now. They're definitely best friends for each other's life. Uh, they owe each other their lives. I just, I want to point out, um, I, w- I want you guys to uh, to look up these boys, uh, Brady Lowry and Kendall Cummings. Brady Lowry from Cedar City, Utah, and Kendall Cummings of Evanston, Wyoming. They go to Northwest College in Cody, Wyoming. I want you guys to find where they live. Use the internet. Find it. You know you can. I want you to send wheelbarrows to both these motherfuckers' house for them to carry their balls around in. For the rest of their life, because uh, whew, ain't no way they're fitting in any pants. I would have shit my pants. Their balls are so big they can't fit in the pants. Like uh, that's um, definitely impressive. Uh, thank God they're safe. That's the main thing. Thank God they're safe. They survived this. I mean, this is a crazy story. The college wrestlers, they were fighting and wrestling with a bear. Like, who does this shit? So, some news coming out of the NHL. Uh, the last day or so, uh, dealing with Detroit Red Wings for Jacob Barana. He's been uh, placed into the NHL and the NHL Players Association's uh, Player Assistance Program. Uh, the NHL released it and the Players Association both released a joint statement Wednesday afternoon updating Verona's uh, status as he enters their protocols, which are to help players with uh, a variety of, of um, I don't want to say issues, but with a help with a variety of things from uh, matters, I should say, from uh, substance abuse all the way up to and including mental health. Uh, He's going to be unavailable to Detroit for an indefinite period while receiving the necessary care, uh, according to the NHL. Now, he will continue to be paid and returned to the ice once cleared by the program's administrators. Now, he missed the game Monday, and he missed practice on Tuesday for what – the team were citing as personal reasons. Now, the Detroit Red Wings and both the NHL gave no timeline for when Verona might return to the lineup. At the same time, he had been removed from the Wings' online roster, indicating the club was likely to replace him ahead of Friday's game with Chicago. And this goes back to something that I have... um, stated on this podcast many times. Uh, I'm all about mental health awareness. Uh, I never 
in my life ever gave a shit about mental health and mental health awareness until February 4th of 2019, which um, we're coming up on uh, this, you know, next year will be four years uh, or five years. Next year will be four years, excuse me. Uh, next year will be four years. Uh, that was the day I attempted suicide. Uh, and, you know, I, mental health was uh, honestly a joke to me. I didn't, I believe it was a cop out for people who were completely too weak to handle shit on their own. And I am never been so happy to say that I was completely wrong and an asshole and an uneducated idiot. Uh, I take mental health very seriously now and kudos to the NHL and any sports league out there for, for what they're doing to, to help these guys. Um, even if this falls more towards substance abuse, whatever's going on with Verona, uh, it's still mental health related. Um, and that's something that can't be taken lightly. The pressure that these people are under, these famous athletes that we see all the time, like, hello. So I support this 100%. Give him, hell, take him, keep him, keep him three months off the ice. Let this guy get in a good headspace. Uh, if he gets in a good headspace mentally, physically, he's going to feel better. Like, I support this 100%. There needs to be more people understanding of situations like these at all times. And I just, God, I cannot stress how much I love this. I think this is tremendous. I think this is awesome. Uh, Jacob, all of our thoughts are with you. Um, I hope that whatever it is, you get it taken care of. And, you know, there's absolutely zero shame in entering into programs like this. So it takes a hell of a man to admit that he needs help. So, kudos to you, sir. So, I guess we got to talk about the douchebag Bubba Wallace, don't we? I guess uh, the Wallace family must be very proud of this. Must be very proud of this uh, athlete, this young man. Yes, I just called Bubba Wallace a douchebag. Here comes the, the racist comments. Um, no, call him a douchebag because he was carrying on acting like a baby. He's pulling some... Just pulling some fucking stupid shit. So, uh, of course, uh, Las Vegas over the weekend. Uh, by the way, before we get into that, uh, I thought it was so cool that uh, Mark Martin was there to drive the pace car. And the pace car was uh, Martin's 1998 Taurus, 1999 Taurus, whatever year it was that they won the inaugural race, 98-99. Man, I tell you what, 98, 99, to be 11, 12 years old again, damn racing was good then. 1998 NASCAR was Martin and Gordon back and forth all year long. Gordon won five races in a row at one point through the midway point of the season, including right around the August night race at Bristol that year. 
Uh, Gordon won the championship, his second in a row, because he'd won it at 97. Martin finished second in points. Hendrick Motorsports and Roush Racing, them two were neck and neck all season long. Good God. That would have been NASCAR's 50th anniversary. Earnhardt had won the Daytona 500 earlier that year in 98. Anyways, I mean, I guess I'm going to have to do it at some point. So, uh, Bubba Wallace, Las Vegas. Uh, he deliberately spun out uh, the defending cup champion, Kyle Larson. Uh, after he spun him out and the two were wrecked, then Wallace attacked Larson, shoving him a couple times. Um, he also put his hands on a NASCAR official, shoving them. So, NASCAR suspended Bubba Wallace for one race. Just one race. Uh, Personally, I would have liked to have seen his ass set for multiple races. Uh, Of course, we're towards the end of the season now. God, how many races do we have left? Just a few. Uh, I would have carried his suspension into next year. Uh, he acted like a complete and utter child, a drama queen, a douchebag. How many times have we heard something in the news about this guy? Like, he is, oh, God, he is just, this has got nothing to do with race. My God, I was just ranting earlier about a, a colored man's political fuck you to Adolf Hitler and Nazi Germany during the Olympics. This has nothing to do with race. This is the dude, like, this is how I feel about Bubba right now. It's how I used to feel about LeBron, and we all know I've come around on LeBron. Like, as one of my best friends told me not that long ago, you dry hump LeBron James any chance you get. I mean, Bubba is just a drain. There's always something in the news about him. It's always people out to get me. It's always... You know, people are making fun of me, people are bullying me, people are picking on me, people are wrecking me, people are this or this or this or this. And then he spins him. He spins him. I mean, he clipped him. And it was passenger rear. It wasn't driver rear. It was passenger rear. Clipped him. Go back and look at the tape. So, anyways, uh, it was intentional as shit, so, I guess some of the things that's come out in the last day or so is people are saying that his suspension for one race wasn't enough, and that it didn't cover all of his actions. Well, according to NASCAR, um, the suspension covers most of his actions, if not all of them. Uh, now, Bubba drives for 2311 Racing, 23XI, which is Michael Jordan and Denny Hamlin's team. Uh, they put out a statement saying that the 2311 is aligned with NASCAR on the one race suspension 
issued to Bubba, and we understand the need for the series to take a clear stand on the incidents that took place in Las Vegas. Bubba's actions are not in keeping with the values of our teams and partners. We have spoken to Bubba and expressed our disapproval of how he handled the situation. Bubba has made impressive strides this season, and this experience is an opportunity for him to further learn and grow as a competitor in NASCAR. Um, now, see, Kyle Larson, who had been eliminated from the playoffs at the previous race, uh, he attempted a three-wide pass. Uh, Kevin Harvick in the middle. Uh, Larson slid up the track towards Wallace, who did not. If you go and watch the clip, he didn't give him any room. Larson then shoved Wallace's Toyota into the wall. Um, Wallace had led 29 laps in a car he believed was capable of winning. And he had reacted by following license, uh, Kyle Larson's car down on the apron. Where he hooked him in the rear corner. It sent Larson spinning into the path of Christian Bell. Uh, Wallace, meanwhile, when this happened, then he climbs out of his car, marched on the track towards Larson. Now, if you watch the tape, Bubba's shouting, screaming, and carrying on before he ever got to Brian Larson. And he immediately shoved him. Now, if you watch the tape, Brian Lar- uh, Kyle, Brian Lar- Kyle Larson's trying to get away. And Bubba just keeps coming at him. Uh, NASCAR safety crews got in the middle. Wallace shoved them. Now, Monday night, Bubba came out in a social media post saying that he, uh, he titled it Reflection. He apologized to NASCAR, its fans, but to Joe Gibbs Racing and Toyota and Bell and for putting them in a situation they didn't deserve to be in. But he did not, uh, address Kyle Larson. Uh, he claims his steering broke when he hit the wall. Uh, I compete with immense passion, and with passion at times comes frustration. Upon reflecting, I should have represented our partners and our core team values better than I did by letting my frustrations follow me outside the car. You live and learn, and I intend to learn from this. Uh What happens next, I don't know. He's setting out. Um, uh, Joe Nemechek's boy, I believe it's Joe Nemechek's son. Uh, John, I believe that's Joe's son. He's going to he's gonna ride for uh, Jordan and Hamlin this weekend. Why, what, what's made this so much worse in public eye, and I'm... I'm not defending Bubba because I'm irritated as shit with Bubba Wallace. I'm not defending Bubba, but what makes this look bad for Bubba and is that the NASCAR drivers have been bitching nonstop the last two or three months about safety. And NASCAR's been preaching about safety. Um, so now... You've got a guy that intentionally clips a guy in the rear to spin him out because he's pissed. And then he's going over shoving the guy to where fisticuffs could happen at any moment. And hey, it's racing. We, uh, we all love fights and racing. Tempers get to flaring when there's... But just... When there's already 
clamoring for safety and change and I don't know. Um, it doesn't look good. Uh, I think Bubba Bubba's uh, Bubba's got a he's got a good team with him. You know, Denny Hamlin's what a two or three time Cup champion. Uh, plus, you got Michael Jordan money backing you too. So you definitely have all the tools. The best of equipment. If you can just drive the fucking car and keep your nose clean, you know, you could be a perennial top five, top ten guy in points every year. But uh, I knew I had to address it at some point. I don't know. And I don't hate Bubba, guys. This isn't this isn't a racist thing. This isn't this isn't, uh, this is just me saying, like, fuck, I hate talking about Bubba. Like, I hate talking about Tom Brady. Like, I hate fucking talking about, you know, the Yankees. Like, it's just all the time. It's all the time. Here's something we never do. On the show, <laughs> we're going to talk a little WNBA news. Um, first of all, one of my favorite female basketball players of all time, the former Notre Dame standout star, the guard, Skylar Diggins-Smith, uh, is pregnant and expecting her second child this uh, next year. Uh, she plays for the Phoenix Mercury. Who does she play with then? Brittany Griner. Why is this funny? Uh, because one of the best college basketball games I ever watched in my life would have been that 2010, 2011, 2009, 2012, whatever the hell it is. Uh, we've, we've referenced it one time in the show. It was the uh, women's championship game between Baylor and Notre Dame. Skylar Diggins of Notre Dame against Brittany Griner of Baylor. And now these two are together. <laughs> What's funny is uh, uh, Darisha Hamby of uh, the M- WNBA franchise, the Aces, she's pregnant, and there's some other woman who plays in the WNBA right now who is pregnant. And they're joking that they should change the name to the WNBA, the Women's National Baby Association. Uh, and uh, Skylar Diggins, if you check out her Instagram, which again, I fucking cannot stress how much I hate Instagram. Like, you could just put the picture on Facebook. Like, why do you gotta have the Instagram? Like, who uses Instagram? Nobody fucking likes Instagram. Anyways, it's nothing about that. Uh, um, but anyway, she posted the page. She does look beautiful. She's very, uh, you can see she's showing, um, how cool is that though? Like, you know, uh, what's cool about this though, and shout out to the WNBA. Uh, the new CBA that they had signed during uh, COVID during 2020 
players get their full salary while on maternity leave, as well as an annual child care stipend of $5,000 and a guarantee of two-bedroom apartments for players and children. Now, how cool is that? The WNBA can do that. A professional sports league. Why isn't there more legitimate businesses and companies in the world doing it for regular people like us? Kudos to the WNBA for that. You know, shout out to that. Like, that is awesome. That is absolutely awesome. Outstanding. The Women's National Baby Association. That's that's awesome. And speaking of Brittany Griner, um, you know, she's uh she's she's been doing eight months now over in the Russian prison. Uh she is uh she has an appeal hearing coming up uh later this week or next week. Uh, I think it said. So I don't have any more news about Brittany Griner, but <laughs> we don't we don't get very political on this show. Uh, sometimes people that listen to the show chime in and say that we need to get her out. Sometimes people that listen to the show chime in and said, "Quote: Let the bitch stay there." Getting political on it. Kurt gave his opinions back when we did our current events episode back in August. Uh, right now, she's going on month eight of this. So, um, it's pot. And that's the one thing where Kurt got hedged up about it, too, because we both share the same viewpoints, and I'm not a stoner. Um, uh, it's pot. It's marijuana. Like, I mean, child rapists get out of jail quicker than what somebody got hammed up for because of a fucking marijuana pen. Like, what are you? What are you doing as a society? And regardless of where you stand on your political affiliations, whether you're left or right, Democrat or Republican. She's in jail overseas. For It all boils down to pot. It's pot. It's marijuana. Deep. Like, and I've not smoked it. Like, the benefits to this far outweigh anything in the world. You realize if you made this shit completely legal on a federal level in this country, the amount of debt that this country has would be wiped out in a two-year period. Because this is a booming billion, trillion dollar a year business. Like, I don't know, I ain't going to get into it, but she's got an appeal coming up. Um, so, you know, one thing that has always pissed me off is people that are that are wrongly jailed. And uh, nice segue from Brittany Griner, by the way. Uh one thing is always pissing me off. People that are wrongly jailed or wrongly accused, falsely accused. Did you hear about this story involving Georgia Tech Yellow Jackets basketball coach Josh Passner? 
So, okay. So, there's a federal grand jury in Atlanta, Georgia, that has indicted an Arizona couple for conspiring to extort money from him by claiming sexual assault. Okay, so according to the U.S. District Attorney's Office in uh, the Northern District of Georgia, a guy named Ronald Bell and his co-defendant and girlfriend, Jennifer Penley, were indicted on felony charges of conspiracy to transmit a threat interstate, conspiracy to extort property from another, and attempted extortion back in August. So the defendants are alleged to have falsely accused uh, Coach Pastner of sexual assault, right? They then demanded a large payment in exchange for the retraction of the claim. Now, the FBI got involved in this, and other federal law enforcement uh, agencies, uh, they're uh, got involved and they're known to be able to, you know, expose false allegations that are made just for the purpose of profiting off of somebody's expense, you know? So, uh, a motion filed to the court last week, a federal judge was asked not to release Bell or Penley on bond because there's a ser- serious flight risk that they will flee. Uh, so according to the U.S. Attorney's Office, uh, Bell and Penley had conspired with each other and another guy named Chris Megan, a Georgia Tech security guard, to falsely accuse Passner of sexual assault. The government accused Bell of recruiting uh, Chris Megan to falsely claim that he witnessed Coach Pastor sexually assault Penley, who later filed a lawsuit against him, uh, which she uh, accused him of sexual battery, assault, and uh, infliction of emotional duress. So, the federal government then claimed that Bell told Megan that her claim could be worth as much as $20 million, and they promised the security guard a large portion of the money. So then, now the government's saying that Bell demanded money from Georgia Tech representatives to not report Penley's allegations. Uh, so basically, a uh, the judge saw through this, and uh, what this states is that uh, Penley had called police in May 2019 and reported that Pastner sexually assaulted her in a Houston hotel room while he was coaching at Memphis in 2016. Penley's call to police came ahead of uh, a civil lawsuit related to the accusation. So then I guess they find out in 2018, a court filing, pastor's attorneys found that this, uh, and there was included a jailhouse conversation involving Bell, and who had already been arrested on another charge, which, by the way, I should throw that in there. This is how credible these people are, that this whole thing could have been fabricated. Uh, January 2018, Pastor filed a civil suit against them in Superior Court in Arizona, alleging they were trying to extort money out of him and blackmail him. Uh, then these two dodo birds filed a countersuit alleging Pastor had sexually assaulted her in a hotel room and continued to harass her. Uh, you know, they cleared, Pastor was cleared of all things in June of 2018. Both sides agreed to drop their lawsuits in August of 2019. Um, so, anyways, it's just, uh, you know, 
stupid. Um, but now this couple is now being charged for not only what they did to pastor, but now they're indicted for trying to take money completely from Georgia Tech. So now you've got it. You're you're at odds with a fucking you know Division One collegiate school. I mean, like a university. So you know you don't screw the pooch there. Your goose is done cooked. And uh, so yeah, like fuck these guys. And uh, good for Coach Pastor. Seriously. So, one of the last few things I want to talk about here tonight is uh, Tennessee beating Alabama. So, like, uh, shout out to one of my best friends who sometimes checks out the podcast. Uh, he's in my circle of six. Uh, the Wolfpack, uh, James. He a um, big Tennessee fan. and I personally don't really like the, a lot of SEC sports. I have always enjoyed, though, uh, Watching Auburn play War Damn Eagle. Uh, if I root for the SEC teams, it's always LSU, Tennessee, or Auburn. Uh, I've always loved Tennessee. Like, if I had to pick an SEC team, it's always Tennessee. I do enjoy War Damn Eagle, Auburn, and uh, LSU, though. Death Valley, back in the good old Les Mile days. Whew. Anyways, so Tennessee beat Alabama 52-49 to Saturday night in Neyland. And you'd have thought Tennessee, you'd have thought that'd be a win in the Super Bowl for that for that place, man. Uh, they stormed the field. And my favorite story is, of course, they carried away both goalposts. And then social media videos, the goalposts were dumped into the Tennessee River. Okay, well, this is, um, this is where it gets interesting. So, Tennessee tweeted out uh, the following day at the university that it's raising money that will go toward the purchase of new goalposts because they're like, hey, uh, we have to have goalposts to play our new game. So, but they're trolling. They're trolling Alabama. There is three donations you can make. There's an option for a $16 donation, which for those of you not paying attention or keeping score at home, 16 years was how long it been since Tennessee had beat Alabama. There's a donation for $52.49, which is a nod to the final score of the game. And then there's a donation of $1,019.15, which is a nod to the sold-out crowd of 101915 at Neyland. Uh, so, as of, uh, which I, I haven't checked on it today. It, it might have already been passed, but I know as of uh, press time on Monday afternoon, they had already met half the goal. It, it's just, um, I think it's funny. Uh, they have their they're taking donations to, uh, you know, buy the goalposts and everything. I just I think it's 
hilarious. Absolutely hilarious. Uh, this was a party unlike no other. For those of you, if you haven't seen all the hype videos, you might have watched the game. But, uh, hop in your Google machine and get on YouTube and just uh, check out like the just put Tennessee after party and it should pop up and just some of the videos and you're seeing in the articles you're reading. It was such good shit. Uh, <laughs> Tennessee is now setting number three in the AP polls. They're six and zero. Oh. Uh, so I, it's, it's amazing. And, uh, yeah. So I guess where I'm going to end it tonight, uh, per, probably pretty much, it's pretty much with uh, Haney Cambosis to the rematch that happens uh, Saturday night in uh, Melbourne at the Rod Laver Arena, which is where they do a lot of tennis and stuff at. Uh, so, you know, this was the third or fourth biggest fight of the year when these two originally had met in June. Uh, of course, Haney had stunned Cambosis to win all the belts. Uh, this was the rematch. This wasn't supposed to happen this year. And then we find out about it in August. So I start getting all excited about it. Uh, Saturday night, I didn't do anything. I didn't go anywhere with any of my friends. I didn't do anything. I didn't have the kids. Uh, I was supposed to have them, but with fall break being this week, I wanted them all week. I didn't. So I didn't have the kids. Uh, so I was just sitting there. I was just checking you know, I was waiting all night for this fight to happen. I didn't watch much of the undercard, uh, but then I I turned on about an hour before because uh, I, I wanted I was so ready for this, and I was going to do a full post fight breakdown and everything, and it just I didn't have time. And then I got the kids Sunday afternoon, so we'll just cover it here. Uh, you know, I thought this fight would be different. And, uh, one thing, if, if you love boxing like I do, and, and, and you guys have checked out so many weeknight chronicles and so many just solo box, you guys know I try to talk boxing a lot. This was supposed to be such a different fight. And it was a different fight, but it was so still the same. George Camposis, uh, the first round was all him. Round eight or nine was all him. A few rounds was uh, kind of mixed, and then it become all Haney. What was what I had mentioned, and if you guys go back to our laundromat listenings episode number five, uh, four or five, whatever it is, I break this fight down the the, the first fight in original. Uh, Haney's jab won the first fight because it was a unanimous decision. This time, it wasn't so much the the jab as it was was power shots. But I, I want to go out and say that while Devin Haney, uh, of course, now I'm doing this five days after the fight, uh, so it's not fresh in my mind anymore. And so much as I just think. George Cambosis beat himself here. Now, I'll give him some credit. He tried a lot of things. He he didn't run his mouth near like he'd ran it in the first fight. 
uh, he is talking, 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 talking for weeks leading up to the first fight. You didn't hear a lot about him. He was in camp most of this time going for this rematch. He come out. He kept changing his stance around. He'd be traditional stance, then he switched to southpaw. Like it kept Haney kind of guessing. But every time he would transition back, he, he was just bouncing around so much. Uh, and the clinch. Haney clinched so much in this fight. Uh, he clinched a lot in the first fight, too. Anytime George would try to build any rhythm, Haney would put the clinch on him. And it just kills your momentum getting locked up like that for 10 seconds at a time. But, um, It's just George wasn't taking risks. Like, he's out there in front of his hometown twice. He had the home field advantage. And he had the crowd behind him. It's just, he couldn't get nothing going. The first round, he looked good. Eight, round eight, round nine, he looked good. You get into round ten. And this was, I mean, this was a showdown. These guys beat the piss out of each other. These guys are cuts. There's, there's blood pouring from both of these guys. And uh, Devin Haney just wouldn't be outshined and outclassed. Uh, you know, he, he kept landing the jab, which was instrumental in his victory in June. And he kept landing the jab Saturday night, which was instrumental in him winning too. Um... So now Cambosis falls to 20 and two, two straight losses. Uh, where George Ferocious Cambosis goes from here, I don't know. Um, you got to think, two years ago, nobody knew who the fuck this guy was. Maybe even a year ago, nobody knew who this guy was. Um, it's going to be a while before you see him in any sort of title contention again. As far as Devin Haney goes, uh, Devin's undefeated. He's 23 years old. He's un- the youngest undisputed champion. He's holding, he's holding, the, you know, he's he's holding the lightweight title in for all four of boxing's major governing bodies: the WBA, the WBO, the WBC, and the IBF. Plus, he's holding the ring championship too. Um, he's undisputed. Uh. Where he goes next, I'm assuming it's uh, it's got to be against Lomachenko or uh, Tank Davis, maybe. Who knows? Uh, you know, like I'm sorry, I, I should have done this. I should have done this after the fight, and it would have made it. Way much more special because this was a special rematch, uh, and I, you know, uh, uh, you know, it is what it is. Uh, personally, Cambosis, I think he needs. Uh, will he get another title contention, title shot? Maybe, um, but uh, not for long. Uh, what I'd like to see out of Haney next is definitely Lomachenko. Uh, Vasily Lomachenko is a fucking beast. That would be interesting. Uh, 
Toronto Tank Davis. So who knows? Uh, now, Lomachenko has been in Ukraine a lot with his family. So, you know, Lomachenko originally should have been the guy to fight um, George Rosas Cambosis going into that uh, initial fight that took place in June where Haney filled in for him. So now with George Cambosis out of the way, to me it just makes sense that Lomachenko gets a piece of Devin Haney. That one might be a different story. <laughs> so I'm super stumped about, or super excited about that. And uh, go ahead and close out with this. Then uh, we are in postseason baseball. Uh, I, my Philadelphia Phillies. I posted about it on Facebook over the weekend. They're in their first NLCS. Since 2010, 2011, 2012. Uh, can we beat the Padres and go to the World Series? Can we go to the World Series? Is that possible? Like, I don't know. Like, I don't want to jinx it. Uh, I tell you what I want to do. I want to do a World Series preview episode when we get there. But speaking of World Series, what's coming this way for uh, Steel Toes and School Boards this weekend, Kurt and I are doing uh, an anniversary World Series. We are going back 25 years ago, 1997, Florida Marlins versus the Cleveland Indians. Marlins would come away. Winning that four games to three. Um, I'm super excited. I picked this one. Uh, but we're, we're so in postseason baseball times that we might do this one. And we might do two back-to-back World Series episodes, which we've never done before. Like, I'm that pumped about postseason baseball. Uh, and as we continue to get further into this postseason here, as we're now involved in the, you know, the ALCS and the NLCS, you know, we'll talk more about this the further we get. Uh, of course, the NBA tipped off, you know, so that's on board. Hockey's in the swing. And it's, a, it's a great time to be a sports fan, everybody. Um, also, yet this year, we're going to roll out a Killdozer and Oklahoma City bombing yet before the end of the year. So if we get that to look forward to and a lot of great content. Uh, we've had a month, we've had a busy month of October. We're just putting out bangers. There's been so many episodes put out for the month of October. And here comes another one. And what we got coming this weekend, there's another one. I mean, we we could easily end up with eight episodes this month. Maybe. It's it's possible. Um, check out our last episode, by the way, too, of our um the hockey season preview that was released a week ago. I did that with my good friend Tyson. Um, he's shared the shit out of that on his end. That that episode's already got almost thirty uh, something downloads in a week. For that's nothing to you know you guys. That's everything to us. That's a lot. But uh, anyways, man, it's just uh, it's been a great little impromptu uh, solo edition of uh, the Weeknight Chronicles. So for the homie Kirk Kelly, who at 3 o'clock in the morning 
on a Thursday morning is undoubtedly in bed. Uh, I'm Jared Atkins. I appreciate your support, guys. Always like us on Facebook. Follow us on Twitter. Uh, help get the word out. Please share the episodes. Please tell your friends if you enjoy the content. Uh, I love getting on there looking at analytics and seeing new downloads from places. I don't know where the hell they're, you know, who would have been listening. I love seeing it. But uh, anyways, I've rambled enough now. So for uh, once again, I'm Jared Atkins. This has been a Weeknight Chronicles episode of Steel Toes and Scoreboards. We love you guys, and we will see you later.